Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, alongside, as always, Paul Guglieri. Good evening, sir. How are you tonight, Jason? I'm okay. The lights in my, stu- we'll, call it, we'll call it a studio. My studio are out. We have some yeah. faulty wiring. Half of your face is shrouded in shadow right now. You you, you look, it's like a, a scene from a film noir or something. Or, well, you, you mentioned- you look very. You look very- uh, uh, what's the re- menacing right now? I, well, should I, I be on alert for this? I wasn't episode? going for menacing, but you know, you did bring up a an Italian film noir trilogy last week. So I did. I am yeah. kind of going for that motif by cool. accident. Nice. So, anywho, Antonioni, uh, the Alienation yeah, yeah, yeah. trilogy. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, this week we have, oddly enough, a lot of things to talk about because we had this idea to talk about. Well, I should say, guys, going forward. Um, starting, I want to say next episode, I'm pretty sure next episode, we're going to start this series all about tribute bands and we're going to do a show on tribute bands. And then we're going to have five consecutive interviews with five of the most prominent bands, or I should say tribute bands in this hemisphere at the very least, we'll call it that. Um, so to get ready for that, I figured, why don't we flip it on its head and talk about the bands that Pearl Jam covers? Mm-hmm. that's gonna be the main body of this is uh our five favorite covers that pearl jam does um but in leading up to this paul we had some news we had three bits to my to my knowledge maybe there's more but um i'll get right into the first one and that is that pearl jam is reissuing their mtv unplugged um show on vinyl, they did, I think they did it last year, and it sold out like lickety split. Yeah. I failed to jump on that, so shame on me. Um, but they're also issuing it on CD for the first time, which I find strikingly odd. I, I want to say the 10 set came, the box set came with, uh, maybe it was a digital, I think it was uh, an MP3, maybe. I'm not sure. I could, I'm almost positive. In 09? The box set, yeah. yeah the, See, the someone asked on, what was it? Someone asked on either, you know what it was? It was um, Jill Vetter posted something about it and people were chiming in in the comments and someone asked, uh, is this out going to come out on DVD? And she was like, well, I don't, I'm not in the band. I don't, I don't know guys. And so I chimed in with, well, it came out on DVD in the 10 box set. That's what, yeah, that's what it was. Was there a CD as well? I don't remember. I, somebody might have ripped sure. the audio from it. Maybe that that's what it, it was. I don't yeah. know. I just but know that I, I have impeccable audio quality of that set, and, and right. maybe that's how I got it. I don't, I don't recall. It's been a while. But it's weird that they would have done that in 1992, 28 years ago, and pretty much everybody else that did one of those back in the day had it out immediately. I remember I had uh, Nirvana's and Allison Chains's almost immediately, like in the nineties when they first came out. Yeah. I mean, I had, uh, you know, they used to release the, those like unofficial bootlegs. They were mm-hmm. always made in Italy or Germany or something like that. And they had mm-hmm. some bizarre cover and then you'd flip it over and all the song titles were wrong. Like, uh, 
you know, like uh, the corduroy would be like three days would be the name of the song on the back of the, yeah. <laughs> on the back of the jewel case. Like what the hell is three days? Yeah, three days of maybe long. I mean, it's just, <laughs> anyway, um, I think that this particular show here, it's iconic in the Pearl Jam catalog. It's one of their probably top five greatest shows of all time. And it's interesting because my favorite song, Black, they, Eddie met, he fudges up the lyrics mm. during that, that set, you know? But I mean, it's so impassioned. And to, to hear this music played that way at the time, I think was, it was, there was a lot of anticipation around it because, you know, we hadn't had verses come out yet, right? So we didn't have daughter or an el- elderly woman to kind of call on and say, you know, what would this band look like with this sound? So that particular set just gave us a whole new side of the band that we hadn't seen before. And it's a fantastic set. It's very energetic and uh, it's, it's a must have, man. It was pre um, uh, bridge show too. It was exactly. So it really was the first time anybody, at least in America saw them in that light because Unless, they had done that. They did no, that they, they, show in Zurich. Like well, two months that, prior. Yeah. But they were, I think they had like a tower records Oh, performance right. or something right. right and, yeah, and yeah. that was all acoustic but it like wasn't two, like two, national no one really i mean no, that was so no. no one's no one's there's no youtube then exactly. so that not, people aren't seeing that so that'll be cool that we finally get that it will a back on vinyl and yes i did pre-order it because i am a nerd and that's the kind of thing that i do and i'm making up for what i did last time or didn't do last time and now it's on cd for people who like that kind of thing uh which is like that's what you like to have you like to have the cds the uh the hard copies uh, I remember we discussed getting Gigaton and you were like, I was like, oh, I pre-ordered the, the vinyl and, it com- and I hope it comes with the digital download because I didn't get that. And you're like, well, I'm, I'm waiting for the CD to come out. I'm going well, to listen to it in the Pearl Jam album that I have ever listened to. I, I bought the CD and I tore open the cellophane and that, that was the way I experienced new Pearl Jam. Music in your car, so. in the Target parking lot. Uh, it, well, I mean... That time, sure. But in the strawberries <laughs> or Sam Goody parking lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, anyway. No, I'm excited, man. It's it, it's a great release and I look forward to Gun to your uh, head. Yeah. Better acoustic show. Unplugged or Ben Royal Hall? Uh I've gotta go with Unplugged, mostly because that was Pearl Jam in their prime. And I feel like Ben Ooh, Royal That's a hot the, take right there for many people. That's true. That's true. Well, let's put it this way. It was Pearl Jam at their most raw. Yes. And I mean, they were just like a, a blistering thunderbolt. You know what I mean? To be fair, um, nobody stage dove during that show, whereas Ben Arroyo, someone did. Someone did, but I, I don't know, man. I, look, I love Ben Arroyo. Don't get me it's wrong. It's fantastic. But, uh, but it's uh, it felt to me like a more mature extension of what the MTV Unplugged show was. And let's be honest, like MTV Unplugged, it was a series that was yeah. I mean, that and VH1 Storytellers. Those two things were, were big when we were younger, you know, and doing an acoustic set at Benro Hall, as beautiful as that was, it's not like it's a, it was a signature uh, performance in the sense that every mm. band went out and did that and you had that release, you know? I have two more thoughts. One is they should release a video of Benroy Hall a Blu-ray of some sort. And two, they should bring back storytellers. Uh, think about a band that has, that has aged wonderfully as Pearl Jam has. The ability and the wherewithal and the, um, the want 
to explain some of these songs. I, we talked about the home show last week. It was the first time Eddie had ever told the crowd or told an audience exactly what Even Flow was about and named yeah. the guy and explained who he was. It's the first time, and this song was written, you know, 20 some odd years prior, the first time he ever mentioned. So these guys are willing to maybe talk a little bit more about what some of these songs meant or where they came from now, now that so far removed from it, you know, Alive has a different makeup to it. Well, they can't tour. So I mean, <laughs> they could just do it by exactly. Themselves. They could do it next week. <laughs> Get Ricky Rackman from Headbangers Ball to do it. <laughs> but anywho, that's that. That's that. The other bit of news that we had was our lovely uh, resident um, rhythm player Stone Gossard has a new album, my friend. Yeah, it's um, it's with a couple buddies of his, uh, namely Mason Jennings in a band called Painted Shield, and they have a new single out. That is called I Am Your Country. Did you happen to listen to it? Okay, so I did listen to it. But what, what I was most excited about was the fact that Matt Chamberlain is the drummer. I know. On this album. And so a Stone and Matt Chamberlain pairing, was I, I was excited about that. Oh, this, this should be fun, you know? And I listened to the song. And I have to say, there's this really cool kind of electronic um, droning feel to it. And it, it's a very unique sound that uh, I kind of wonder if, if we're going to start seeing some of that m- move itself more into Pearl Jam's music. Uh, we saw Dance of the Clairvoyance was a really outside-the-box moment for them on Gigaton. And so I listened to this song here. It's called I Am Your Country, right? And I believe uh, Stone said that this is what I would imagine a country would say to its citizens. And it, it's a very different sound coming from a member of Pearl Jam. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see kind of these genres get explored more or these subgenres get explored more by members of the band because I'm very curious to see how it will inform the band's music when they get together. I'm hoping that this type of exploration is not just something that they get out of their system away from each other, but rather that they experiment and explore and then it further informs them as musicians and then becomes part in some capacity of what they bring to the table when they get together as Pearl Jam again. But nonetheless, was very excited uh, to, to, to see this. And apparently, because I haven't heard the whole album, obviously, but Brittany Davis is, is a really key part of this album and what she brings to the band with, with her keyboard. Uh, I'm, I'm stoked, man. I'm looking forward to hearing more. Well, to your point of... Uh experimenting and using that as a way to possibly alter the songwriting prowess um, of Pearl Jam, I look at it the opposite way. I like that they're in these, let's call them side projects, because I think it gets out some of the stuff that doesn't fit of what my view of Pearl Jam is. Mm. Now, if I say that with the with the judgment that I'm not really into this song. It's not my cup of tea. So if that's the kind of thing that Stone's into, that's fantastic. I'm glad that he has an outlet for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I don't disagree with you in that regard. So that's kind of where I sit. I I don't necessarily want to see more Dance of the Clairvoyance. I want to see a sprinkling here and there. Like you had your You Are. You had your weird stuff like dance. And that's cool if it fits in the grander scheme of things, which is the Pearl Jam is a rock band. This isn't a rock song in my view. This is whatever it is, and that's fine. 
But if Stone needs those outlets, like, you know, um, Ed had Soon Forget on Riot Act, but he didn't try and jam that more of that into the band's catalog. He did his own thing on the side. That got it out of his system. And there you go. And maybe it helps the songwriting overall. Mm-hmm. But as far as that being included into the Pearl Jam, um, you know, writing and, um, yeah, I, I just don't, I don't, I'd rather it be in its own space. Maybe that's, maybe that isn't the right way, right way to think about it, but that's how I feel about it. No, but to each their own, my goodness. There, exactly. And there is a theme to why I'm doing this like this. And the last thing we have to talk about is Pearl Jam's new voting initiative, PJ mm-hmm. Votes. Uh, there's no music around this. It's simply a social media push to convince their fans to vote by mail and early, by the way, and to persuade our friends to do the same. Uh, I think many of us were going to do this anyways, mm-hmm. uh, but it's good to see the band using their platform to, to preach this message. Uh, a few quotes from Jeff in the Rolling Stone article that I read about this. He mentioned Vote for Change in 2004 and how it was specifically against Bush slash for John Kerry and how this election, they're not explicitly pushing a candidate, except like the next day, the Pearl Jam website is now selling a Riding with Biden t-shirt. Right, yeah. <laughs> which I'm like, all right. <laughs> It's not like anybody knew, didn't know who you were pushing for anyways, but like, that's kind of silly. Uh, some other nuggets in the article that I found interesting were that Jeff said that they have not been in the same room together for several months. Now you spoke about it last week uh, about the band pr- probably have been in the same room at some point. Apparently they've not been, uh, according to Jeff. He said once or twice a week, they have Zoom meetings to discuss artwork or collaborating with other artists. Notably, he didn't say with themselves. Right. He says that he finds the drive-in shows that other bands like Metallica and and Dave Matthews Band have done to be a little weird and that the band is talking about doing something in this vein, maybe. And the last thing he said was that there's no plans for a 30th anniversary thing in October, but that he thinks the last six months don't count because everyone's been sidelined. So they'll do something maybe in the spring, I guess is what I'm inferring from that. So like all of these things are happening in the last week, right? We're getting, mm-hmm. we're getting a release of MTV Unplugged. Stone has a new side project album out. We've got a voting initiative where Jeff divulges all the stuff about the band and how they're not really doing anything. And then last week we're talking about why couldn't they be doing stuff to fill in the gaps? We've had, album, or we've had bands that haven't had albums come out in years and they're putting out stuff. They're doing something together. Yeah. What's going on, Paul? I don't know. I uh, am I being greedy? Are we being greedy? Well, I don't want to be greedy, but like they they, they just dropped an album, but it had been forever and a day since they had. So, I mean, for what it's worth, they're giving us a new Halloween T-shirt. There's that. We'll we'll, we'll always have that. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually a pretty cool shirt, man. It's got like it's not bad, but it's got it's like a whole headless horseman vibe going on. But instead of on the horse, it's like like, a roadster. It's hey, I like my Halloween T-shirts. Lay off, man. I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, I do like my Halloween T-shirts. Aside from that, though, I don't know. I I wish that they would. I I feel like they're all kind of coping and handling this in in their own were in their in their own way. Pardon me, as we all. I'm stumbling over my words. Let me try that again. You know what it is? You were probably thinking about how Eddie Vedder finally got Instagram and you're so vexed by this news that you can't even speak. No. (laughs) Well, he is for the first time. Yeah. Dude, I don't even have my own Instagram yet, so. And the the fans are just clamoring for you. Oh, yeah. It's exactly. (laughs) Look, I think that 
it would be wonderful if the band would take the chance, or I shouldn't call it a chance. I'd like to see more from them only because we had shows, we had tickets and we don't get to see them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, everybody's just kind of trying to find a way to make the best of the situation. And so they obviously as, as people are doing that with their own families. And so maybe for them, this is not the way that they want to be Pearl Jam, you know, that they, that they want to be ambassadors for various causes and, and they want to push content that's already been out and what have you but they're not necessarily interested in, in trying to shoehorn an appearance together from months or I'm sorry, from miles apart and what have you. I get it. I respect it. Um, it's not what I was hoping to see, but I mean, we I mean, got the all in Washington, you know, zoom edited performance of dance, but we did. Yeah. But Hey, you know what? We'll take what we can get at this point. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I'm being greedy, but at the same time, it's like, can we get like, I mean, they, they threw Olay together out of nothing. I'm not saying I need a new song, but you mentioned last week, you know, what if we got, you know, an hour of them? What, what if, what if they had one of these zoom meetings and they released it and said, Hey, let's do one for the, for the, for the 10 club. And we'll, we'll field, you know, 10 questions that the 10 club submits. We'll pick 10 at random and we'll answer them together on zoom. There you go. 10 club. There's an idea. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be music, right? No, I mean, it, I, mean it, I would love to. We talked about questions before. There's a whole Omaze challenge where you get to go hang out with Jeff and, and Eddie in, in Seattle. And, at, and you said, well, well but see, look what you're, you're already mentioning, you know, various things that they're doing during this. Yeah, but that, that can't time. happen until next year. That's useless fair right enough. now. <laughs> fair enough. All right, that's fair. You know that's what I'm saying? Fair. I hear you. It's just some sort of engagement would be nice. Whereas yeah. there's been like, like for people like you who don't, really dabble in social media too much, especially Instagram, you wouldn't have known that Eddie jumped on and he's been actually pretty vocal in, in, in most of it's been about voting, but he's been, I mean, he, he even went on with um, uh, Chris Cornell's daughter right, I saw on her that. mental health uh, yeah. episode. Like there's been some engagement by other people. So it's like, why can't, why don't they come together and say, Hey, our fans are probably wondering what's going on with us. Well, let's just have a, a little round table, you know? Catch everybody up. It, I think it'd be it, smart. It, yeah, I mean, it, it would be, but based on what Stone said, it doesn't sound like they feel it's something they need to do or, or there's not Jeff a lot of interest. Jeff, pardon me. There's not a lot of interest in doing it. and so From them, yeah. From them. And so one thing I've noticed about the band is that if they're not into it, they're either not going to do it or if they do do it, it's not going to be what we want to see. And so it's, it's <laughs> you know, I don't know. I bet Matt wants to do something. He seems like the kind of guy that would be him and him and Mike feel like those are the kind of guys that would that would be down to do anything just to yeah, yeah. fill in the gaps. Wow. Well, anyways, um, I spoke earlier about covers, mm-hmm. and that's the main portion of this show. Yep. So the thought process for going into this was it's gotta be a song that they've played completely. It can't be a tag. Right. So save it for later. Sorry, you're out. Um, and the, you know, the, for me, the best covers are the ones where you start associating the song with Pearl Jam more than the original artist. Now, this isn't the only factor execution, quality of the song, social context around the song all play a part. So I, I use my lovely PJ stat tracker app and went through all the songs that have been played. I also learned a lot about 
some random ass songs that have been played like three times that I've seen. It's yeah. just strange. Nice. Uh, but there's some really, I have a long list here of ones that stuck out to me after going through the list here. Obviously, I only have five, as do you. Uh, and I'm curious, uh, we'll start with you. What's your number five uh, favorite cover that the band does? Well, okay. My, arguably, my favorite cover that they've done is, is uh, Someday at Christmas. And uh, <laughs> I don't think they've ever performed that live. And I caught some heat over this because when we went over Christmas singles, I said <laughs> that they, you know, I insisted that if it was going to be in my top five, it had to be like an original. I wasn't into them just right. doing covers. But to me, that song by Stevie Wonder, it, it, it's more of a Pearl Jam song to me, only because I feel like it was such a fleeting thing for Stevie Wonder that it wasn't even Pearl- written by him. Well, that's the thing. He didn't exactly. He just like, it's not like it was a song he wrote. He and so, it, but like, right. So to me, it's just, it's, you know, fair use, man. More of a public <laughs> domain song. Exactly. It's exactly. the happy so, birthday of Christmas songs. Let's just put yes. it that way. But I did deserve to be called out on it. So, but all right, that, that's, that, that's not in my top five because it's never been played live, but uh, it's arguably my favorite cover just in general. My number five is Sonic Reducer, uh, Dead Boys, 1977 little Ohio punk band and obviously they've been covering this for what feels like decades at this point it's just a cool rock song um, it's something that you know you look at Pearl Jam covering something in the 90s where they're not trying to push something political um, and, and that song to me just kind of feels like a something a grunge band would cover <laughs> and they have been ever since so well, and they do a great that, job of it, man. Like it's it, for a while, for a while. I knew it was a cover when I first heard it because they told me it was. It's not like I was a Dead Boys <laughs> fan in the '90s, but um, you listen to it and it it feels like the kind of punky music that serves as a precursor to what would be the the punk sound Pearl Jam has adopted in a lot of their music today. Yeah, I mean, it's a perfect song to emulate for what they would do. You're right. Uh, I didn't know it was a that it wasn't an original when the first couple times that I heard, I think I learned that as I got older, probably in like the late nineties or something. Like, oh, it's not a, okay. And I think I actually went to a bar probably in the early two thousands and heard like some shitty band at some bar in New York play. And I go, oh man. And immediately I think of Pearl Jam. I don't think of Dead Boys. So right, that yeah. fits the criteria that I just mentioned. It, it, like they've completely taken over that song. It's been with them forever. Uh, was it 92, 93 holiday single? Yeah. So classic pick. Love it. Uh, I'm going to go at number five. I should mention one thing, actually, before I get to my number five. I really wanted to get the song Give Me Some Truth in there because I think it's a fantastic song. Um, Been played 17 times, John Lennon's song. It's one of those political songs that doesn't um, wear on me. Some kind of feel a little long in the tooth at times or they feel a little out of context. Not out of context, but kind of like out out of the vibe. Right. And I feel that's a very kind of preachy song. So when it's, when it, when it calls for it, it's great. And so, but it didn't really quite fit the bill. So I just want to mention, give me some truth is a, is a quality cover that they, that they do. And they actually don't do it all that often. Although it feels like they do it a lot, but it was mostly around the 2003 time. Mm-hmm. Anyways, my number five is the real me by the who. That's a good one. I love this song. Yeah, uh, it almost made my top five too. God, man, it is. It's so great. And played 25 times. I had not seen it, unfortunately. First time it was played, September 4th, 1993. Last time played, March 10th, 2016. All of this information, courtesy of PJ Stat Tracker, by the way. 
really fun rock song. I love Jeff channeling John and Twistle on those bass lines and that like up high up the neck. So great. The band really feels energized when they play it. They feel, I feel like they kind of get a little bit, a little bit up when they play this song right. versus some other covers that are kind of more in the pocket. And um, obviously, it helps that Ed is such a massive Who fan. Yeah. And I think Matt loves playing this song, which is, if Matt's excited, I'm going to be excited. Um, we've got an iconic performance for you. Obviously, there's very many, but one that stuck out to us is November 18th, 2011 in Lima, Peru. So our friends uh, with a certain tribute band that you'll learn about very shortly in the next couple of weeks um, would have gone to that. And I did go to that, I should say. So that's my number five pick, The Real Me by The Who. What's your fourth pick? That was a good one, my friend. Thank you. Uh, you know, you mentioned political songs. Number four for me is Masters of War. Mm-hmm. So Bob Dylan track debuted in uh, 63, the freewheeling Bob Dylan album. It's just a great anti-war ballad. And I think that's something that, that Pearl Jam excels at, you know. And Bob Dylan is a forefather of that style of music and and i think that they bring a certain level of of anger and frustration to the song where it just embellishes the irony that's embedded in the lyrics and eddie just nails it so it's a it's the kind of song that i think as they get older they they play it even better you know what i mean like they they killed it when they played it when they were younger but you listen to them play that song in their later years and they they still nail it man so and, and i think as they get older it'll still be a song that continues to age like a fine wine with them so well the uh, the song underneath what we're talking about is not going to change because mine's also masters of war number four nice, nice. uh as you said bob dylan played 18 times i have seen it twice apparently so that's amazing so first played in or on october 22nd 2003 Last time it was played was August 20th, 2016. Classic Bob Dylan, as you mentioned. The bark mm-hmm. and the anger really shines here for Ed. This is this is right in his wheelhouse. And the rest of the band doesn't need to do a whole bunch here, but fill in the gaps to kind of give you the chills. And the very last line always gets me. And I'll stand over your grave till I'm sure that you're dead. Unbelievable. Uh this one was played a lot in on the Vote for Change tour. Mm-hmm. The iconic performance that I've pulled here is actually not from a concert. It's from their live on Letterman, Late Show with David Letterman on September 30th, 2004. It's on YouTube. Go check it out. Ed has short hair. Let's not hold it against him. <laughs> but man, the snarl in that is just in the in the, you know, the studio is pin drop quiet. See, it's like I'm giving I'm getting chills right now. Just look at this goosebumps. You can see me. Goosebumps. It's just it's so fantastic. So number four, continuing with yours, is uh, Masters of War. What's your number three? So for me, number three is uh Baba O'Reilly. Mm. It's uh you know that they do the Who better than any other band does the Who. And, Almost the uh, Who now. I know. Now obviously. <laughs> You listen to a song like this. I don't think of, of of Pearl Jam because The Who was a great big band in their own right. And so it's not like, oh, you know, they're playing Love Rain Over Me. That's a Pearl Jam song now. No, it's it, it's The Who. It, it's Pearl right. Jam does such an, a tremendous justice to the song. And uh, 
it's an epic song, man. It really is. And, you know, when they play it, they make it sound epic. And uh, it's just a great song to hear at a show. And they, they kill it, you know. And so it's always one of those songs where, you know, um, Keely, turn the lights up and everyone, everyone can see each other. And the best versions of that are when Mike is really dialed in and can play that little picking pattern cleanly because sometimes he flubs right. it up. But when he's nailing it and they're they're with it together on those those crashes in the outro, that's the kind of you know the pick up the speed. Yeah, those are so much fun. And the sing along of Teenage Wasteland line is just so fantastic. So great choice, classic choice. My number three is going to go. Uh, we're going to go with Neil Young, Rocking in the Free World, and. Nice. I mean, it's been played the most out of all their covers, 309 times. I have seen it nine times. Uh, first played March 9th, 1992. Last played uh, their second to last show, uh, September 2nd, 2018. It's the most played, like I said. Stone solo, Mike solo, Boom solo, guest solos. Everybody's playing on this song. It's the Village Bike of covers. Everyone's had a turn on this one. And it's always fun. Uh, but sometimes it can kind of go on a little too long, as fun as it is. And everyone's kind of seen this one. And, and while it's great fun, they sometimes kind of find themselves going through the motions a little bit on this one. Uh, you know, Ed's running around in a half-drunken stupor, tossing out tambourines. And, like, it's a it's a celebratory song at this point. I kind of like it more when it was a little bit earlier in the career and they had a little bit more bite to it. Because it is a pretty yeah. protesty kind of song. I mean, Neil's that kind of guy. Right. So, I mean, you think about... Um, the VMA is 93 with Neil. Fantastic version of that. I would say suggest to you to uh, check out the last night of the forerunner of shows at the Spectrum in Philadelphia, Halloween. Uh, unbelievable vibe from that one. So please check that one out. Um, so that's my number three pick, Rockin' in the Free World. What's your number two? Um, this one was tough. Like There was a lot of songs that were in the running for me. I did think actually about about black. Uh, I'm sorry about uh, rocking in the few, in the free world, but uh, for me, it's last kiss, and uh-huh. it's it, they went like a good stretch from no code up until they dropped this song. Where I feel like they didn't really have a a hit, you know, at least a mainstream hit, and they dropped this song, and it, it was a radio hit. It, I mean, who would have thought, right? They just come out and just pluck this song out from decades yonder, and and. It was always one of my favorite oldies, so to speak. And I thought Pearl Jam did, uh, it was, they did such a fantastic job of it that it became a worldwide hit. I mean, you know, we were having a conversation with, uh, with uh, some of these tribute bands, right? And a couple of them mentioned actually Last Kiss as, as among their favorite tracks Pearl Jam has done and how that was an introduction to the band for them. I mean, it was really, it came out at a time that made them relevant again for a brand new audience and they do a killer version of it. And yeah, that's, it's definitely up there for me. Another one of those songs, uh, like I mentioned that definitely is a Pearl Jam song. Now it's not yeah. the, the original, I can't, I can't even remember who it was. Um, but you know, it's one of those songs where it's so special that they, when they play arenas, they will turn around and play to the back for that one. Yeah. It, 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 they make that song feel like a club vibe in the arena because they're playing so close to the back of the arena. Mm-hmm. And they always choose that song to do. 
and it's a lovely little number and i think it's a very wise choice for number two uh i'm going to go back to the who love rain or me yeah that's a good one it's so good um 25 times played live fortunate enough to see it three times first played june 26 2007 last time it was played august 7th 2016 Mm -hmm. what an epic song and one they could have never done without boom which is clutch very key here it's got a little bit of everything it's anthemic it's got ed singing pretty and screaming it's got stone on the acoustic mike wailing on the les paul boom all over the piano and the organ jeff nailing all the untwistle riffs it's tremendous it's obviously a who song as you were mentioning before but i kind of prefer hearing pearl jam play it nice <laughs> you know there are pl- there are plenty of covers they do that i'm like nah that's that's an aerosmith song that's a van halen song that's a so-and-so song you know that's an elvis song you know they do a fun job but i want to hear the original queen this this is like one of those songs where i kind of rather hear them do it oddly enough uh and you know boom's extra little piano intro that he does sometimes on certain versions that before it gets to the do 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 it oh it gets me that gives me goosebumps too you just it just feels so epic you know uh iconic performance of this one we talked about um vh1 earlier we, we mentioned yeah. it vh1 rock honors it was a, a rock uh, honors show for that is a good version the who and it was it aired on July seventeenth, two thousand eight, and one of the reasons why I think it's so good is because it includes a symphony. So you get the the swells of the of the of the stringed instruments, and I don't know what it was with Eddie, but he crushed the vocals on that performance, crushed. And if you want to get that and their version of the real me back to back, it's on YouTube in HD. It's fantastic. Go check that out. What's your number one? One man, it it has wavered back and forth for me over the years. There was a, a time period where Black Diamond was my, and they've only done that three times. Uh, they actually I love sound, Black Diamond, by the way. Do they kill? They they sound checked it, I think, in in the, the during the Yield tour, and then it, they finally played it live in '07, um, and then they played it again in '08 a couple times. And and that, that the last time they played it though was 2018 in Rome, yeah. so I'm I'm hopeful that one of these with Matt Cameron on vocals, exactly, which I thought it was was Great. I mean that's perfect, right? But it, it's not my number one. There was a, a, a time where ain't talking about love was because that's my favorite Van Halen song. I just, <laughs> Mike lo- loves to shred to it, but so to good. me these are just kind of like you know fun little you know, uh, guilty pleasures. They're not guilty even. They're just little, each band member is like, man, I, I love playing this yeah. song. Can we do this song, you know? Yeah. So for me, the number one cover of all time by Pearl Jam is Crazy Mary. And I say that because it's it's a song that, is it Victoria Williams, right? Mm-hmm. That yep. she, it's, it's a, first of all, I think Pearl Jam does a better version than she does, which sounds bizarre. Uh, she's outstanding and her story is outstanding and it's it's heartbreaking and the song is heartbreaking but it's it's, it's this song in a lot of ways is like the sister of of even flow when you think about mm. it lyrically and thematically, yeah. it really does fit the band and you know you talk about iconic performances 
I couldn't tell you the most iconic performances of Love Rain Over Me or Sonic Reducer or Black Diamond or, or you know, Crazy Mary. But I can tell you that in 2003 at that Irvine show, Mike and Boom, that 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 duel that they have when they play Crazy my notes, Mary. By the way, no, I'm just dude. It's it's the one cover. It's the one cover of a Pearl Jam song that if I had to make a mixtape from somebody and, and somebody say, hey, could you throw a cover on there? That's the one that I would pick because it is, it, it's the band as we know it now at their absolute best. And, and, and it's the most featured Boom has ever been in a song. And to, to get like Boom soloing on the keys and then Mike kind of one-ups him on the guitar and then Boom answers back. And it, it is the most phenomenal live version of a cover I've ever heard the band do. And if you haven't seen that show or heard that show, I highly encourage you, go get yourself a copy of that 2003 Irvine show. Listen to that track. It'll 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 be in your rotation quickly. I don't know that I have much else to say because my pick is also Crazy Mary and my iconic yeah. performance is also June 2nd, 2003 in Irvine. Yeah. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, well, I should have stuck with Black Diamond. I'm sorry. I, it's the, you know. Black Diamond was a honorable, honorable mention. Uh, Crazy Mary, yeah, it's you know they recorded it with with you know with Victoria Williams forever ago, right? In a completely different key, by the way. And it, their their version with her is great as well. I yeah, mean, the studio versions kill. You know, if you if you were to kind of Google best version of Crazy Mary, you'll get like you know forum threads of people saying that the that their favorite version is the studio version, and fair play to them. Uh, but there's something about hearing Stone play that opening chord on his acoustic. You just know, you immediately know what that is. I think it's an F chord. You immediately know what it is. And for a cover, an, by the way, it's not, it's an obscure song. Like it is. You have to be a Pearl Jam song to know what this is. Otherwise, you go, is this one of their songs? I, I never heard yeah, you, you wouldn't know. And everybody, everybody in the, in the building knows this song. And... No, L-O-I-T-E-R-I-N-G-A loud. <laughs> Everybody knows that, you know? It's been Take played as many times as as Baba has and Rock on the Field. 163 times. Yeah. Okay. First time played, September 6th, 93. Last time played, September 4th, 2018, which was their last show because they, they mm-hmm. played it I mean, a number of times. Fortunate enough to see it six times. Nice. One of them... Uh, the Garden in 03, not not the DVD show, the second night. So everyone's got a hangover from, from the first night. This is July 8th, July 9th, 2003. It's the day after the epic Garden show where they shake the stage during Evolution. It's on DVD. You can watch that. But no one talks about the second night. And we've spoken about, especially on our Best of the, of the Yield Tour um, show, that generally... The second or third nights in a specific city got a little more jump to them. I would say that the second night in, in New York in 03 was not as good a show, but only because they were everyone, the audience included, was exhausted from night one. And so what do you do if you're feeling a little lackluster energy? You open the fucking show with Crazy Mary. Yes. <laughs> you know? Wild. And so that immediately got everybody back up and night two was fantastic as well. But you talk about Irvine and you talk about a, was like a 12 minute version of the song. Yeah. And 
you know, that was that was a long time ago. And I think at the time it was more rare to have the dueling solos of Mike and Boom. It was usually just kind of a Mike thing or just a Boom thing. And maybe in the last like eight or nine years, you got a lot more of that. But to have that then and to hear them going back and forth for 10, 12 minutes, whatever it is. Ooh, mama. I mean, that's just... It's a hot tamale, my friend. It's a hot tamale. It's muy picante, if I may. <laughs> Look at you. Look, I, I thought I thought you had nothing to say. I thought I did, too. I just rambled for the last five minutes. <laughs> so, anyways, there we go. We, we I was I was unsure where, of what we're going to agree on, uh, and I'm glad that we didn't agree too much outside of Masters of War and Crazy Mary, but uh, I do want to mention a couple of honorable mentions of things that I really wish I could have included because they were just so fun. I mentioned Give Me Some Truth. You mentioned Black Diamond. Uh, Draw the Line, which they played, by the way, with um, uh, Tom, Tom Hammond? Is it Tom Hammond? Tom Hammond? What the fuck is his name? The bass is for, um, for Aerosmith. It's going to drive me nuts. Anyways, yeah. Uh, in Boston in, in 2016. And by the way, Black Diamond in 2008 Ace is played Freely, with right? Ace Freely. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. That was in New York, I believe. Mm-hmm. Little Sister, they've done with Robert Plant. Oh, by the way, excellent. That was on the fan club single. Leaving Here, obviously fantastic. Better Things, so good. Throw Your Hatred Down, 25 Minutes to Go, Surrender, Picture in a Frame. There's so many good ones. So many good ones. But anyways, there you go. Off to Lyric of the Week. So, Paul, our Lyric of the Week this week comes from Lightning Bolt, and the song is Pendulum. Understand what we don't know This might pass, this might last, this may grow Easy come and easy go Paul, I'll leave things off here. So this feels like a heavy choice. Um, this one, I feel like we should break out to kick off your heels, kids. We're gonna be here for a while for this, with this one. Get a nice cup of cup of Joe or uh, Scotch or whatever you got. It's gonna keep you cozy because here we go. Uh, this one again, not written for our current political and environmental culture as it was written in pre-2013. It was different times. I don't want to say simpler, but different times. One would say maybe more jovial, less stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yet again, much like many songs in the Pearl Jam catalog, it is very applicable now. There's a couple of angles I want, I want to approach. The first one is the COVID angle. Let's get that elephant right. out, of the, out of the way. So for me, uh, I have long argued in my own personal channels and social media and, and not in this particular show too much. I've long argued that the full complete knowledge of this thing isn't known and that a lot of people from the overly cautious to the overly dismissive are too arrogant in their belief of what they know. And so when talking about, you know, this may pass, this may last, this may grow, you can draw the line to literally the lifespan of the virus from the beginning of our understanding of it, depending on how we reacted. So when you look at it from the mindset and action or inaction 
of our population here in America, it's a bit scarier because it should be much simpler than those three options. We should be able to easily come together and find practical solutions that meet our challenges, all of them, economically, culturally, health-wise, both mental and physical. And sadly, we still don't know which one of these three options we're going to be taking. And we're, what we, we're seven months into this thing. It could still pass or last or grow depending on our choices. The last two lines, you know, easy come, easy go, easy left me a long time ago. These lines really talk about our mindset and the mental health aspect of it specifically. The simple fact that we are stuck, still not knowing which one of these directions we're going to go as a country after these seven months is so difficult to comprehend. So many of us, too many of us are struggling mentally and emotionally, regardless of physical or economic health. Add those two things into the mix and you have a very anxious, depressed, and scared citizenry. Ed once wrote, unemployable, scared alive. How these themes intertwine. Oh my. Let's talk politically. Understanding what we don't know, having the humility to accept that there are things politicians cannot tell us for the good and safety of the population. Okay, fine. And there are then outright lies. Recognizing when you're being conned. And, you know, we get this big problem in this country with that. Conspiracies somehow are shaping a big section of the electorate's opinion this cycle, which is fucking crazy. Pardon my French. With the election coming up in November here in America, we have two options, really. This could pass or this could last and grow. Those are your two options. Which America would you like to be in come January is really what it comes down to. And lastly, how many people like dealing with COVID are just tired of this shit? Tired of having to really dig in and care about politics to this level where every damn thing is politicized and everyone and their mother has an opinion and the more batshit they are, the louder and more pervasive they are. You know, we use social media. You and I use social media to help promote this show, engage with our listeners, that kind of thing. We like social media for these aspects, but social media is weaponized by idiots with agendas and hackers from other countries to influence the feeble-minded and sometimes the nimble-minded as well. And it's fucking exhausting. Pardon my French again. I'm very French this episode. I should get dual citizenry. <laughs> it's just really exhausting to have to do your own research and vetting to find out if politician X or media member Y is feeding you reality or bullshit. And there's some very well-meaning people and very smart people out there giving you real stuff, but you've got to filter through all this crap to get to it. And you know, while we get some musical fodder out of this, because it's just it, it's got to be so great for writing as a silver lining, you know, that's the, that's the, I guess you could say positive collateral damage, but like, what, like, what is that? Like, frankly, I'd rather have my sanity and the whole easy left me a long time ago thing. It's like, yeah, here we are. And we don't know what to do. And yeah, there you go. What do you think? That, that, wow. I, you know what, you know what, hold on. You get a standing ovation. Oh, thank you. You you already were standing, but I'll give it to you. You should stay on the soapbox. You look good up there, my friend. Um, Thank you. Well said. You know, this song is, it's one of the best off Lightning Bolt. There's a reason that they would open shows with this song. Um, It feels like that album's release, as it were. Obviously, very different lyrically and thematically, but just in terms of like the buildup. Um, you really do feel 
like life is a pendulum sometimes, you know, there's ups and there's downs and we're just swinging back and forth between one and the other. And when you find yourself on one end or the other, you really don't know whether it's going to pass or not. And I think that when we're on that extreme, when we're on that apex, as it swings to and fro, you really do feel like you're going to fly off of it. And whether you're really low and you feel like you're about to get tossed off into this black abyss or you're really high and you feel like life just, it'll never be better, you know, and you, 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 you want to hold on to this moment so tightly so you don't get thrown off. Um, I think the, the song really captures that state of mind and musically it really captures the state of being, you know, there's something very, um, kind of Edgar Allan Poe-ish, I suppose, about, Ooh, yeah. about the music to it. And therefore, it's very macabre, very dark, very, um, you know, ominous in a lot of ways. And I think that that, that feeling is not just dread, because, you know, lyrically, if you, if you look at some of the lyrics, I mean, can't know, what, can't know what's high till you've been down so low. The future's bright, lit up with nowhere to go. So it's, it, it really describes kind of both ends of the pendulum. Um, but obviously the majority of the song kind of hangs out on the wrong end. You know, right. I think that capturing that, that state of not knowing what to do, as you mentioned, that's the hardest part. And when you feel like you're, you're wishy-washy and you're, you you want to do this, should you do that? It, it, it re- there's a, a feeling of discomfort and anxiety that comes with that. And the song speaks to that. And it, it somehow manages to musically manifest itself into something that is very relatable. And I think when you listen to that song, because we, A, we've all been there before. B, we're probably all there right now. I think almost everyone listening to this is, is feeling this in some way, to some degree. So that, that, maybe this is a new anthem for our times. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm sad that it is. Yeah, as am I. Ugh. Well said, though. Ugh, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> Put that on a bumper sticker. All right, let's uh, let's check out the uh, best live version of this. Ready to stand up! All right, guys. Pendulum. Obviously going to come from the, uh, let's say, 2013 through maybe 2016 kind of era. Mm-hmm. Where are we going here, Paul? We're going to Brooklyn. Oh, I love Brooklyn. October 19th, 2013. Uh, Two Feet Thick has no notes on this show. I was not at this show. I, I don't have anything substantial to bring to the table in terms of, hey, this is an iconic performance of this track because this is what happened or... There's this connection in this way, uh, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. There are zero that I have to offer. There's no Kevin Bacon in the room with us today. But I will say that the line that you mentioned, easy come and easy go, easy left me a long time ago. To me, that is the heart and soul of the song. And when Eddie nails that line live, for me, the pendulum stops swinging. And we're just suspended above it. And when he doesn't quite nail that line live, you feel like you're sliding down 
the pole as it were as it's swinging and until the song ends you just keep sliding that doesn't mean it's not an enjoyable ride but it's not quite the same visual visceral and uh, anthemic experience um he hit that perfectly you know they, they were dialed in and they just put on a clinic with that song in brooklyn that night and to me, it's just I've listened to every every version of that song from that tour because, you know, we had all the boots and mm-hmm. I would literally just scroll through every version of that song, just trying to find the one that, that put me in that space. And that was the one. And uh, if, if you listen to it, you know, hopefully you feel the same way, just kind of suspended above. And we can just be there watching the pendulum swing and not get so anxious and worked up over the fact that we probably are, you know, to and fro swinging with it but it doesn't feel like it when you hear this this version outstanding let's go to brooklyn october 19th 2013 Do you belong? 
Well, nail on the head once again. And this is, I believe, the second ever show in Brooklyn at the new Barclays Center. The night before was the first. And usually when they go to New York, they go to the Garden. But this time around, they went to Brooklyn. And they played 66 songs between those two nights, only 10 repeated. And your note about uh, Ed singing Easy Left Me a Long Time Ago, the way he hits that obviously is key. And when I hear him sing it like he did in this version, it reminds me of the way he sings Why Can't It Be Mine Mm -hmm. in black the best way. And it leaves you on the edge of an emotion. Mm -hmm. And you just get carried by the rest of the music. So, yeah, guys, check out uh, Brooklyn Night 2, 2013. And it's an op- it's the opener, so just let it play. Keep on playing the whole the whole show because it's fantastic. Anywho, uh, like I said earlier in the beginning of the show, we've got um, a lovely series of shows coming up uh, starting next week. We will have a show about tribute bands. So if you haven't already, you should rate, review, and subscribe so you can be the first ones to get these. Exactly. Shows. These come out on Tuesday morning, U.S. Or I guess just to say, uh, was it Greenwich Mean Time minus five through minus eight or something like that? Uh, so please, yeah, jump on board, subscribe, follow us on Instagram, uh, State of Love and Trust underscore pod. Chat with us. We're on Facebook as well. And, uh, you know, let's talk about the band. Let's talk about these tribute bands that are coming up. And after we talk about the tribute bands next week and what that means to us, we're going to have a series of five interviews with five bands from around this hemisphere that do the band justice. And they're great fun uh, from three different countries. And uh, Paul, did you have a good time with those? I had an outstanding time. Great. Me too. Good stuff. All right, gang. We will see you next time. And until then, you've been listening to The State of Love and Trust. State of love and trust.